Are you ready to testify? Are you ready to testify? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to testify, Bill Mesnick? Are you ready? To, I am ready. Are you ready to be bathed in the waters of the Holy Ghost? Are you ready to be bathed in the rock and roll waters where everything is consummated and everything is divine and will be eternally grateful for the existence <laughs> we have been given? Uh, You're going to sit by his throne. Going to sit by his throne. Ah, oh, mercy, mercy me. I'm with uh, my, my partner and my, my, my sole inspiration, Mr. Bill Mesnick. Yes. I'm yes. ready. I'm ready. And, I'm ready, willing, and able. And the program is put on a stack of 45s, and I, I, I can barely control myself this evening. I can barely control myself. My finger can't even reach the turntable. It's shaking so badly. I am, I am filled with the power. I am filled with the glory. I'm filled with the magic of the kingdom. <laughs> And I'm Rich Buckland here in Florida, and uh, Bill is in California, and this is, of course, the show where we present a 45 RPM recording that we believe is essential, and we deconstruct the artist and the song for you and uh, give you the finest version of it that we can, always in an unabridged form. You will always get the long version. Just as one day, if we ever get our hands on the 20-hour cut of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, we will present it. Regardless wow. of the legal consequences, we will present it on our Dig This website. You know, there's a 20-hour there's a cut of this movie. Insane. Yes, it's insane. But what's more insane, it's more insane is the group that we're going to talk about. A group that was not given a great deal of recognition, a group that was short-lived, a group that did not get the annunciation, the the proclaim, did not get the 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 the, the finances that they required in order to continue, but for the short time that they were with us. They were called Pacific Gas and Electric. Until Pacific Gas and Electric sued them, and they had to change it to PG&E. PG&E Blues Band. <laughs> they added the But the blues record is, band. Are You Ready? 1970, 19. on the Columbia label, which made it to number 14. And the B-side is Stago Lee, which we have covered. Yes, in we another have. episode, yes, we which have. interestingly, to call back Tarantino, used it in the film Death Proof. There we go, and that's what made me think of Quentin as there was because I've seen Death Proof again recently. And yes, used it in Death Proof. Um, and I must, and I must do a shout out to the backup vocalists, the Blackberries. Because they are part of what makes this record a success. Absolutely. You could think of a number of records where the you would have a either an individual gospel-sounding singer, such as Marsha Hunt in Gimme Shelter, without her voice. It's not the same record. Um, there are so many performances by the Blossoms, who were later known as the Crystals, et cetera, et cetera, backing up groups. But these women gave, and of course, the sweet inspirations behind Elvis Presley. But yes, absolutely. It's not the same record without them. 
It is not the same record without them. It is a gospel record. It is a soul record. It is a rhythm and blues record. It is a blues record. And it's got the voice of a gentleman who died way too young named Charlie Allen. Uh, Charlie Allen. Who unfortunately. That's the man. Charlie who Allen. Sings. Who, who sings. And just the perfect vocalist for this particular song. And we're, here we have an era. We're in the Vietnam era, and we have a breakthrough spiritually and inspirationally as the Beatles return from India and they bring us the greetings of the Mahavishnu as uh, she was asking Yoko not to scream anymore. And you have all these you have all these spiritual moments, but mainstream radio knew what was needed. Put your hand in the hand of the man from Galilee. That's right. That was a big hit. That was a big hit. Song Facts, the website Song Facts calls this piece a dark little piece of gospel funk. I love that. And there's a shout out to Matthew 24, 4 in the King James Bible when he says there's rumors of wars. I, before we continue, I have to do a little disclaimer. It was Mary Clayton, not Marsha Hunt. Oh, I'm sorry. Mary Clayton. That, that, thank you very much. Because you were thinking about a podcast that we did about Marsha Hunt. We did about Marsha Hunt and her relationship with Mick Jagger. Yes. Okay. But Mary Clayton. It's the uh, immortal Mary Clayton. Thank you very much. Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, this band is an ill-fated band. I mean, they, they in their short time together... They hit the heights and plummeted to the depths really fast. And I didn't realize that they were at Monterey, and that's what kind of catapulted the whole thing, you know, um, in 67. Um, and Glenn Schwartz, the guitar player that you mentioned, we'll, we'll get into his story a little bit, but he was invited by Hendrix to play at Hendrix, Hendrix's birthday party. So you talk about you know, respect. Well, yeah. Glenn Schwartz had already made his bones playing with James, with Joe Walsh in the James Gang. Correct. So by 67, he was already three years before Are You Ready? He was, he was prominently, uh, he, he was featured prominently in the rock community as one of the up-and-coming guitar players. Um, yes, he, in a time of... Uh, Guitar gods. In a time of guitar gods, exactly. Where for someone to to praise you as Glenn Schwartz was praised is is fairly incredible. And then But this is a name that is not known today. Is not known today. And when you look into the dark disappearance of Glenn Schwartz for decades as he was uh, abducted by a cult. Uh, from which he had to be rescued, you see the uh, pitfalls of what others have fallen into in uh, in those times of when belief turns to this serious psychosis. Um, and you're looking for a Charles Manson. That's he, was the, he wasn't the only member of the band who was homeless and psychotic. No, he was not. 
He was, he was Tom Marshall as well. Yes. Yes. Um, was. Um, and uh, Glenn Schwartz, you know, he, as you say, he, he joined this cult that was led by this guy, Larry Hill. And um, he, he was part of what they call themselves the All Saved Freak Band. And, um, but he left in, in, um, uh, what was it, 68 or 69, something like that, and was with the All-Star Freak Band, All-Star Freak Band, till 1980. So he was with this cult for a good decade. But he still was performing with PG&E uh, when he was first. He, he, the story allegedly is he was, he was outside on the Sunset Strip with a group of friends, and he heard a street preacher uh, reciting the gospel, and he immediately was transformed and told everyone at that moment he had just had the revelation. He had the epiphany. Amazing, right? Yep, yep. He said that was the moment that he had known. He knew that it could never be the same. Now, how much of a part drugs played in this is still in question. He was known. Well, you know, there was always some drugs involved. There were right? always drugs involved, and you had to, you have to figure, you know, when the party's over and you sober up, uh, some people just come to their senses and the visions they saw were not were not real but in the case of Glenn Schwartz he thought they he thought they were um, you yeah, can, and you know but he sort of made a comeback in, in the 90s and he was as you say he was playing this blues bar in Cleveland with his brother who played bass and um, they played for many years so when we go back to the history of this band itself, they were formed in Los Angeles in 67, and it was guitarist Tom Marshall. The bassist was Brent Block. Glenn Schwartz, of course, formerly of the James Gang. Now, Charlie Allen was originally the drummer. Right, and then Frank Cook became the drummer and then became the manager. Precisely, precisely. And Cook was previously with canned heat so that's an interesting connection between uh, that, that was a great band as two well. yeah between two great blues bands of uh, of the era and uh, Charlie Allen I think was uh, he was a wild card he was had a really kind of difficult personality was doing coke apparently quite a bit died at 1990 at the age of 48. Yes, yeah, so but it to... was interracial. He was a black man, and uh, this was one of those interracial bands, and they were kind of uh, avant-garde in that way, and they had some problems with that touring in the South. Um, so th they were they were working against the tide from the beginning. Well, the same could be said of Sly and the Family Stone. Absolutely. Except that um, the acceptance with Sly, of course, with all those, that, that chain of hit records rendered them much more acceptable. Um, and you had yeah, other... Yeah, the, the PG&E only had that one hit record that we're going to play. Yeah, yeah. But the two albums, um, for, well, first, they were signed to Kent Records, which is... That's that's not a label to sneeze at. Uh, Kent knows it has known its blues and still does to this very very day. 
Um, but their first album for Columbia, Pacific Gas and Electric, was, uh, was dropped in 1969. And the greater success, though, was with the album Are You Ready? in 1970. And it hit number 14, as you say, on the, on the uh, Billboard tracks. But from there, it became a clusterfuck. Uh, they started losing members and replacing members uh, and uh, were able to provide soundtrack for the Otto Preminger film Tell Me That You Love Me, Junie Moon with Liza Tell Minnelli. Tell me that you love me, Junie Moon. And then they broke up. As Liza Minnelli's been known, <laughs> you meet Liza Minnelli and then you just split. That's Yeah, that, and, that all tracks. That all tracks. That all makes a lot of a lot of sense. Um, so Glenn's involvement with the Church of the Risen Christ is a, uh, it's a... That's the story, really, it's right? It's a story because when you consider that Charlie's career was not going to, was going to implode one way or the other, given his... Uh, predilection for for drugs from what I understand and the difficulties that he did present um, yeah they said he was arrogant and he was hard to work with yeah yeah he's not given the best reviews as someone that you'd want to uh, be in a successful band with but he did write this song but he but he he wrote this song and it is look it's a magnificent testament to the spiritual pop majesty of the time, which includes Jesus Christ Superstar, which includes Glenn Campbell's I Knew Jesus before he was a superstar. Uh, and there are recordings. Norman Greenbaum, Spirit, Spirit in the Sky. In the Sky, yes, yes, Norman Greenbaum, Spirit in the Sky. Oh, Happy Day, the Edwin Hawkins singer. And this, this was serious stuff. I mean, these were serious recordings. And they found an audience, even in non-believers, simply because yeah. it made you happy. And it gave Christian, you... Ma mainstream Christian music. And, that, and, and Are You Ready was way ahead of its time when it came to mainstream Christian yeah. music. Yeah. I mean, it's, if it were put into that category... It would have to be considered the greatest next to I knew Jesus when he was. Yeah, it taps into Swing Low Sweet Chariot as well. Yes, yes. And there's a, uh, there's something that we lost in uh, Glenn Schwartz's getting lost in all of this. Uh, he, it's, 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 it's crazy because this church. Designed by Larry Hill is central to the Glenn Schwartz story, but he stays a what is in one article called a shadowy and controversial figure. Um, he had a reputation as a troublemaker, uh, and he worked as a traveling magazine salesman. But he this under is Larry Hill. Larry Hill in '55 he underwent a dramatic religious conversion and was believed to be called a pastor and a prophet. And he 
honed into that whole Manson thing as the '60s, uh, as the '60s hit. So this is a breed of, of human being that America seems to engender. Yeah, I mean, we. I, I think there are individuals that find their place in society by taking people who can't find their place in society, and literally abducting them. But they're um, charismatic, and they manage to get people to follow them. And uh, we, America keeps producing these people. Danny Trejo, the great uh, character actor and, uh, <laughs> and the least likely movie star in the history of every prison in California, tells a story of how he was locked up with Charlie Manson, and Charlie had this ability to be able to, through mind control, allow you to feel the, he, he, he called him the greatest hypnotist he ever met. He could make Wow, him. I never heard that story. Yes, he tells it in his book. That's great. Yes, the book is called Trejo, and uh, it's, the audio book is narrated by Danny Trejo, who doesn't read very well, but tells great stories. And he said he could, Manson could make you believe that you were on heroin. He could make you believe you were high on weed. And he uh, called him. He said if he were not this miserable little guy, he said when he met him, he felt sorry for him. He was this scrawny little guy who didn't have a belt, had a string keeping his pants up. <laughs> and uh, Trejo, for all of his uh, <laughs> inhuman acts, also seemed to have had somewhat of Trejo a heart. fell under the spell. He huh? fell under uh, under the spell when he was able to get he and his friends high through hypnotism. So that's a it's an interesting story. But yes, there was this opening, and look, there still is this opening. When you look at televangelism, when you look at pastors, all that they all they did was uh, find a method to reach more people and. Uh, not necessarily change the game that much. Uh, the medium the, is the method. The medium. I mean, if you're on board with this, and you're if you're on board with an agenda that will allow for people to die of COVID and for cop killers to enter the White House, and you still are going to bow to the master, you have to. Ask yourself a few questions about how you've been indoctrinated and what cult you're in, particularly the evangelists who call themselves Christians. So it's been going on since time immemorial, I imagine. But um, things began to take on a uh, take on a a very strange. Uh, things took a strange turn. They about fifty of these members lived in a farmhouse on Fortney Road in a small rural farming community of Windsor, Ohio. Mm. And uh, he was an end-of-timer, Larry Hill. He believed the end of times was coming, just as Mike Lindell, the pillow guy, believes that Trump will be reinstated. Yeah, I mean, they may not be wrong, but... Uh, well, Trump won't be know. reinstated, but there could be an end of time, Yes. Or maybe Trump will be reinstated. What the fuck do I know? Um, but with us and our records, time stands still. It's, thank you. Thank you. 
So there were abuses, and inevitably police had to be called, and this is 78 already, so, you know, Glenn's already lost. Nobody knows where he is. Um, nobody can get in contact with him. And he doesn't reemerge again until, uh, until the 80s. But by that time, he's pretty well denouncing the experiences that he had with the Church of, uh, of the Risen, but he also will not denounce Larry Hill. So he's still, he was still, up until the end, conflicted yeah. about the entire, yeah. the entire events. He possibly believed that this was his true calling, but how it played out in the reality of the world could have been handled a great deal better. And I think people's emotional health had, in some cases, had a great deal to do with this. Yeah. You know, you don't really know who's schizoid and you don't know who's, I mean, it's funny how... If you're predisposed, you know, you might easily be influenced. Yeah, in 19... Boy, these guys whipped and beat an 11-year-old girl, Bethy Gudenbaud, after years of physical and sexual abuse. And two female cult, cult members had called the... Uh, had witnessed the beating and went to authorities, and Fortney Road became, uh, became a memory. Van Morrison was early... Was, was involved early on in a cult situation in... Uh, Boston, oh, is that right? In Boston, yeah. And there's a book written about that. In America or in In, in the United Europe? States, when he came to the United States, yeah. He was very open to different, he'd always been very, very spiritual. And yes. been on a quest. Uh, but he was always his own man for the most part. Uh, so I don't think that it took a very deep Turn. Was this during the uh, Tupelo Honey period? Uh, no, I believe actually this was during the Burt Burns period. Ah. Yeah. Early on. Early on. So um, Pacific Gas and Electric have this, uh, have this legacy that is confined to some masterful music making. Puts me in mind of Moby Grape a little bit. Well, here's the thing about Monterey. Monterey, what should have been the calling card for Pacific Acid Electric, it should have been the calling card for Moby Grape, and it should have been the calling card for a band named The Pauper. signed to Verve and were considered to be one of the up-and-coming groups. The Paupers had the worst set and their worst night uh, and were practically, after the album Magic People, never really had an opportunity. Moby Grape's set 
is recorded for posterity, but I don't think it's a great set. But apparently PG&E set was, uh, you know, one of the hits of the festival. It was one of the hits of the festival, yeah. Why it didn't make it into the film, I don't know. Well, there was only, so, you know, the, the film runs under 90 minutes, and they knew the stars they already had, and they made a conscientious decision that they were going to feature uh, that finale, which lasted how long? Yeah. Ravi Shankar's part is what fifteen minutes at least. I know some of the some people got a lot more time. Not in the film. Yeah. Yeah, you know, not in the film. You, I think Janice gets two songs, and uh, you know you've you've got a glimpse of uh, Simon and Garfunkel, and you get Otis Redding, probably has the second because he's got to shake and. I've been loving you too long. But Monterey was the calling card. And um, some people benefited dramatically from it, and some people fell by the wayside as a result of it. When you take a look at the association, introduced by Tom Smothers, <laughs> I think they were the first band to perform. Say, so, okay, and look how many records they sold, my God. But that, yeah, yeah, they had a lot of hits. The production. But are you ready, Bill? Are you to ready? Sit by his throne. Are you ready not to be alone? I am ready. Ladies and gentlemen, Pacific Gas and Electric with the magnificent lead vocal of Charlie Allen and the stirring guitar mission of Glenn Schwartz that we are playing here in its entirety. It was abridged on a version of the uh, of the, on the forty five. Yeah, on the yeah. forty-five, it was shortened. Very shortened. We're gonna here's the whole. We're gonna play the whole deal, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready? Pacific Gas and Electric. There's rumors of war. I have been in 
Beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. Album album cut. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and you know when I think I, I only saw them once, but they were they were a great band, and uh, I'm thinking about yeah one of the one of the casualty bands. There were some, I mean, from '65 through the early '70s, you had some great great blues bands. And I think probably the two that are the least recognized uh, are Pacific Acid Electric and the Siegel Schwal Band with Corky Siegel and Jim Schwal. And that's an interesting story, too, the Siegel Schwal Band. Yeah, they were on Vanguard, and they were, it seemed a little more, um, uh, uh, like, uh, gourmet. Yeah, they had a they had a particular. There was a uh, had a mandolin player. Yeah, Jim played mandolin. Jim Schwal played mandolin, uh, and this great version of "Bring It With You When You Come." Uh, yeah, they were they were one of my favorite groups. So uh, Pacific Gas. I have several eight tracks of Siegel Schwal. Maybe I ought to do a, uh, a Captain Billy. I did not know this. Oh yes, I for some reason I have several of those. No kidding. Yeah, see I'll dig. I'll dig one up. Go look. See what you've got. See if you've got the uh, one of the first couple. I'll let you know when yeah, I have. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, I have that, to go through the the piles. That would make a fine Captain Billy. Speaking of which, the captain is returning as he digs into his uh, magical bin of A-Tracks. It's more than a bin. It is a, uh, I believe his entire home is filled with nothing but A-Tracks. Well, one of the rooms. One of the rooms. You walk into the house and A-Tracks could fall all over you. (laughs) Which would not be a bad thing. And he will take one of these and uh, 
we play you the high-definition version of it, and the captain himself, Bill Mesnick, gives you his insights into the recording itself. And uh, coming up will be, oh, we're going to surprise you. You'll get some surprises. We got surprise. surprises. We got surprise surprise. the folks. We got surprises. So we thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Put on a Stack of 45. We hope you enjoyed the uh, tale of Pacific Glass. Pacific Glass. Pacific. <laughs> Pacific. <laughs> this, this song, as I told you before we began, has been running through my head constantly, day and night, since you suggested it. What I think happens when we, and you've recalled tunes to me, you've recommended songs for this program. And they come back to me on a loop in my head. Yes, I can't, earworms. Yes, I can't stop hearing And I, I'm singing it, and my wife will go, what are you You've been singing that all day. <laughs> You've been singing that all day. What are you? And then I'd have to explain the whole thing to her. And then, of course, as in most marriages, she tunes out after. She tunes first, out pretty, pretty yep, quickly. Sure. Pretty quickly, she <laughs> No idea what I'm talking about. Leaving you to your obsessions. I can only, exactly leaving me to my obsessions, <laughs> as it as it should be. Quite, for, quite yes, absolutely. Quite your obsessions are your obsessions. Yeah, but you know how it works. Now we're upon Halloween, and her obsession is Halloween, and so boy, we're going to have. Oh, that's going to be a biggie. We just picked up. Uh, we got a present of uh, a ghost that jumps up nine feet. Nine feet. Nine wow. feet. The ghost. Well, the trick-or-treaters will be out yes, again. We will, they'll re- be returning like the swallows to Capistrano. This will be our uh, this will be our decade anniversary of Halloween here in Port St. Lucie, Florida. And I'm uh, sure last year was subdued. Last year was nothing because we got rained out. Oh, okay. So that was almost a good thing because we kind of we kind of figured nobody was going to show up and. Uh, we had a few and then suddenly a downpour for two hours so that ended that but I think this year will be the revival of Halloween just as I was well, ast- make sure you wear your mask and your gloves hey, and you give out the candy I was astounded yesterday to witness a prize fight in uh, England with a crowd of over 65,000 everyone seated together some people had masks some people didn't have masks um we're not going back. What it, what it is is what it is. What it is is what it is. And where we go from here, are you getting boosted? Uh, yes, but not not yet. Not yet. Because look, I did get a flu shot this week. Though. We're not we're not going to preach on the subject. And there are a lot of people who make very strange. Right, that's not what we do. Claims. Here. That's not what we do here. But. Um, if you can have an opportunity to be a good neighbor and keep somebody else safe and keep your family safe, then I think it's a pretty good bet. Um, that's all I have to say. There's nothing more to it, but there's a lot more to come. I'm put on a stack of 45s and a lot more Captain Billy and a lot more and the splendid boho goes to where we award a character actor of note our splendid boho award because that particular actor the film couldn't be the same without that actor so we go places others dare not go
So are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready to go. And we hope you're ready, and we hope you have a great week. And from my buddy, my partner, Bill Mesnick, and from myself, Rich Buckland, we wish you experience, strength, hope, happiness, joy, and uh, be good to one another. We will see you soon. Say goodbye, Bill. Uh, Yes, be kind. (laughs) Rewind. Be kind. Rewind. Bye. Bye. Enjoy your life.